Welcome to episode 493 of the Sleeper and the Bust. It is Monday, August. Uh, August. It's September 4th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, it's September already, and I'm tripping out, as you can tell. How's it, it going? It's September 35th, man. Or August 35th. <laughs> August 35th, yeah. I mean, and listen, peel back the curtain as we like to do. It's it's 9:40 your time, 8:40 my time in the morning on Monday. We're just getting we're just getting going here, so uh, that's why we're still in August. August 35th is a great day, though. No, it's actually September 4th. Jason, I mean, I can't believe it. It seems like the season went by so quickly, but then I kind of think back over the season and I remember all sorts of uh, different things. I was like, okay, you know, it's it was I I, I did my fact checking it's been the normal time the season was not shortened it's just that we're almost done with a six-month grind uh, how you doing yeah doing well i'm ready for the playoffs you and i were talking yesterday this is the grind uh time because it's tough to write i love talking about i can talk about baseball all year long but it's tough to write about baseball from a fantasy perspective this time of year because it is you know there's maybe what 25 percent of you listening now that were listening at the start of the season and that's kind of where things that's kind of where things sit at. So it's it, we're we're trying to talk about the now and talk about the 2018 to get you ahead of things. Uh, and that's what I'm really doing with my writing is uh, I'm not what I tell you now uh, is not going to do much over the next couple of weeks. It may help you and great if it does, but I'm really focused on on 2018 myself and you know, none of my teams are winning a title. There's nothing I can do to any of my teams unless they have unless everybody on my team has like this amazing three and a half week run. And the other guys don't do well, so well. That's about the only shot I have. Kind of like the, the Rays making the playoffs. They have a 9% chance right now, and it feels like a point zero zero nine. Well, anything you write about, too, especially kind of on the hitter side, there's not even really enough time for it to play out. If you recommend some players, you know, the volatility of a single month is is so substantial that it, it you know, you could have kind of, quote, unquote, the right call. Uh, with skills wise, but the, the the craziness of of three four weeks means he could go any any number of different ways, and I guess that's always kind of the uh, the deal with it. But there's especially that volatility in September, so uh, we're going to focus. Don't forget last year. Well, don't forget last year. Tout Wars. One of the leagues in Tout Wars was won on a home run by a backup catcher on the last day of the season. <laughs> that's insane. Anything is possible. Yeah. I forget who it was, but it was the so maybe it was Jeffrey Marte, somebody on, on the Angels. Hit a home run and won the league. Well, and the, so the craziest part about something like that is, at this point, everything is so contextual that it's it's almost impossible to to give useful advice without so much backstory, right? You know, oh, I'm here and I can get you know a point here. I can get two points there. I might lose one here. You know, you you kind of have to go through. And, and make your own judgments. It's very difficult to kind of, uh, have a firm handle on, hey, definitively start, definitively sit. We are going to try to do some of that with, with the two start guys. I still think that pitching is probably the one area where you can still, uh, feel better about suggesting start this guy, pass on this guy. So we will get into some of that. Uh, I, I have a tough one right off the bat. And again, it's going to be contextual, but just want to get your temperature on these two. For the question of the day, are you starting Chris Archer or Marcus Stroman this week? Both had injuries over the weekend. Archer left with, I believe, forearm tightness. Stroman was blasted in the elbow, uh, was rolling around like crazy, and ended up having to leave his game. 
two guys that people have been relying on all year. There's going to be some uh, uncertainty by the time deadline is probably locked today. Um, are you starting Archer or Stroman? Uh, no. Uh, Stroman, yeah, because it was just a, a liner as well, if, if he has a bruise, if anything. But with Archer, they're calling it lateral muscle soreness. And they and he was being checked out again today um, to see how things are going. But getting back to my earlier point, while they say there's a 9% chance of the Rays making the postseason, again, it feels like point zero zero nine. This is your franchise pitcher. And what's the point? of I mean, He was throwing 92-mile-an-hour fastballs. They said he couldn't get loose. And they said, again, it's muscle. Um, but if muscles were, were – there's – where there's smoke, there's fire to me, and I would not surprise me if they decide to mm-hmm. slow play him and maybe shut him down. Uh, and, and they still wouldn't call up Brent Honeywell. They would probably try to go find okay. Juan Brazelton at the local subway and say, hey, dude, no. why don't you come back? We need you for a few starts or, <laughs> or maybe take Doug Wechter off the – because Doug Wechter still does some uh, pregame work. See if Dougie Wechter wants to come pitch. <laughs> Brian Anderson out of the broadcast booth, oh like, God. hey, B.A., can you make four stars for us? Any of those things are possible, but Brent Honeywell uh, pitching for the Rays this year uh, seems rather improbable. Uh, and, you know, kudos that he got suspended last week. I don't know if people picked up on that, but he had a four-game suspension to disciplinary reasons. Uh, and it's not hard to figure out why. If you look at his Twitter timeline of late, all he's doing is retweeting guys that have been called up. I personally love the passive aggressiveness because oh my it's, gosh. it's BS. It's BS what they're doing. There's no reason why this That's kid can't be hilarious. up on the expanded rosters at this point. Even just soaking, even just soaking up uh, some of the experience. No, on it. But I just it, you know, their roster manipulations just drive me nuts. What more did Brunt, Brunt Honeywell have to do to prove that you know he's ready for at least a September look? It's kind of ridiculous. another five shutout innings last night. I guess you know going for that sixth Governor's Cup in the AAA <laughs> is more important than getting somebody uh, some development. I mean, and, and to their point, they you know Durham Bulls are going to be in the postseason. Montgomery Biscuit's going to be there. The Bowling Green Hot Rods. I mean, they're having a good year in the minor leagues. Don't care. I mean, you're you're. you're Everybody's trying to chase a second wild card spot, and you're leaving your two best prospects down while every other organization is calling theirs up. Yeah, it's uh, welcome to the life of the balling on a budget raise. It, it's it's kind of ridiculous. It's you know you can see why uh, I kind of figured that Honeywell wasn't going to be a, a major impact this year because they like to slow roast their guys. But I definitely thought that he'd be up by now, and it's looking like he's not going to get the calls. So those shares. Well, let's be real. You ain't getting the call next year either until after sometime exactly. late in June. Exactly. You know he's not if breaking he's camp. The organization after this whole thing, it wouldn't surprise me if they Delman Younged him. Uh, I, you know, he's clearly ready, but David Price was clearly ready, and Helixson was clearly ready, and Snell was clearly ready, and you know these things tend to repeat themselves. They'll find some excuse for him. And he'll sit down there until June unless they decide, you know what, we're going to cash in and, and trade the top prospect. And I don't know. It's just it, it, it's very frustrating time to be a fan of this franchise. I mean, it's at least your Tigers seem to have a plan. They are. They I are just to the plan. piss people off is what the plan is. I, I, I do like that the plan is, is moving forward for the Tigers. Big trade, obviously, with, with Justin Verlander um, heading over to the – to the Astros there, three prospects going to the Tigers. All three, I think, will be probably like top seven or so uh, in their system. So, yeah, they're moving that way. I mean, 
this Rays team at times looked like the best team in that division, and they're still just two under. They're hardly out of it. Um, although, of course, at this point, it would take it would take a pretty substantial run. They've just kind of meandered along instead of being aggressive and making that move. When when they're you know sitting there in the thick of it, how do you not make an exception and bring Honeywell up in early August? You know, how could he not have been a game changer? Uh, you know, shortly after the All-Star break. That's the part that doesn't make sense to me. But that's where they're at, you know, uh, are, are Angels, you trade, Twins. Or you trade, Tim Beckham for, uh, you trade Tim Beckham away and give him away. And that guy has been everything we said he was going to be when he went to Baltimore. Yeah, why? Well, that that still is bizarre. They got nothing for him, right? They got a, a pitcher and rookie ball. Yeah, but so nothing. I, you know, I'm going to be on the Tim Tim Beckham bandwagon uh, next year at drafts because that, that. I mean, look at look at what Wellington Castillo was doing here in the second half. If you if you, you know, if if people want to forget that we're always trying to drive this trade and say, hey, you know, go get beef. Be, you know, when you when he goes to that ballpark, it's going to be well, and he's doing it again this year. And the thing about him, what kind of what scares me about him is he has a seven million dollar player option for next year. Uh, but the season that he's having, you know, he may test the open market, and I don't want him to. I want him to stay put. Don't leave. Oh yeah, for our for our purposes as a fantasy player, Wellington Castillo in Baltimore absolutely works. But like you said, thirty one year old with seven million dollar option. The seven million dollars is is perfectly nice, but catcher market is never deep. He could go out there and and maybe find himself a three four year deal somewhere. I would not be surprised if he passed up that player option. He's finishing brilliantly right now in the second half that Wellington Castillo's having. Um, I mean, does this put him? Are we looking at a top five catcher for for next year? With uh, I mean, he is. If you look at him right now, uh, he's only played in eighty games, three hundred twenty-two plate appearances. He's one off his career high in home runs. Uh, He's he's got his forty RBI, which he's done in you know now for the past five years, but he's never had more than forty-two. That could end today after ball after game is over a run scored rather but rbi's his career high is 68 and he's at 48 so that's going to fall a little short but just you know not a matter of um you know the playing time has not been where it's been but you know defensively Health, look at his right? defensive measures he's been an above average defensive catcher by the by fan graphs metrics here for five consecutive for six consecutive seasons pardon me wow and now offensively he is. He's been. He's above average. So everything we're looking at a two and a half win catcher right now, and he's done it previously with the Cubs. And one, he was a three and a half. He was a two and a half, and then he was worth three over the previous two years. And now he's back to a two and a half win catcher. And, and to me, I don't know how I. I I declined the option. I put myself out in the open market because at worst he can fall back into a one-year $7 million deal just on his defense defense alone. Exactly. Yeah, so I I think Castillo will have to test the market. We'll see where it's at. I definitely want to see him wind up in another friendly spot if it's not just back with Baltimore on maybe an extended deal. With only 80 games played. Go to Toronto. Toronto would be nice too. With only 80 games played, he's seventh on the SPM player rater. Uh, among catchers part of that is the fact that catcher sucks but also you know he's right up there with the big boys Gary Sanchez Buster Posey uh, Yadi Molina having a really nice year JT Real Muto Wilson Contreras um, despite getting hurt obviously he's been a top five guy then Sal Perez and then there's Castillo so you know the, the guy that he's directly above Yasmani Grandal somebody I've always liked I think next year I'm taking Castillo above Grandal pretty easily yeah I, I am uh, it really 
Although it depends where, you know. Again, I guess, you know, yeah, yeah. But barring an awful landing spot, I, I'm doing that. I just want to see where he's going. I want to see where potential, you know, potential free agents at the possession. So uh, the Rangers, Robinson Chirinos has a club option with a buyout. Randall's a free agent. Um, McCann has a player op- a club player option. I, so the Astros could renew that. Um that's kind of it. I mean, the free agent market, here's your catchers next year. Chirinos, Grandal, Maldonado, Mathis, McCann, Mezzarocco, Norris, Ramos. Well, Ramos is on a, Ramos is on a player option, so that's, uh, but that's not a guarantee the Rays will pick him up at $8 million, but it's also not a guarantee that they'll never sign, they'll never sign uh, Castillo either. And then uh, Wrecker. So it's wide. It's he could be the best of that bunch, right? You know, um, I think Weeders has a player option too. If he, if he somehow passed, although that's ten and a half mil, uh, he'll probably take that. But if Washington were open, I'd be more than willing to uh, to see Beef go there. Although I didn't realize Weeders was having a terrible year with a sixty eight OPS plus. He's probably going to take that ten and a half mil and run. Uh, man, what a disappointment that guy's career has been. He just was supposed to be so much better. Uh, all right, we got some news to talk about, and then we'll get into some two-start, start-sick guys. Garrett Richards. Garrett Richards is due back on Tuesday uh, for the Angels. You know, they're making moves, man. They, they go out, they get Upton and uh, Brandon Phillips on the same day. And not only are those just solid pickups on their own, but the fact that they're from what they're going from their left field and second base situation, their second base situation was the worst in the majors. Their left field was among the very worst. So the fact that they're improving from very low levels with two quality players, Justin Upton having an amazing season, Brandon Phillips doing his, his solid thing. Uh, that's big for the angels. Now, if they get Garrett Richards and they can rely on him for five, six innings, a clip down the stretch here, that could be huge. But on a fantasy side, are you trusting Garrett Richards for anything in, in, in what uh, I'm format? I'm not trusting him for anything. It's just nice that he's been able to come back and pitch um, after everything that he's gone through. Um, that's really all I'm expecting at this point. Yeah, he uh, he's only thrown a couple innings uh, of, of rehab, literally two innings at, at AAA. I think he was hitting mid-90s. I don't really know what to make of it. I will say, though, I, I want to take a flyer in, in leagues where he's available just to see. Because he is so good. Garrett Richards can be awesome when he's on. So I think I am going to take kind of a shot uh, in it, just about every format. Uh, look for somebody to cut. Obviously, the cut will matter. Um, I, I wouldn't go crazy uh, just because of the name. You don't want to cut somebody that you've been kind of relying on. This this could easily be a one-and-done situation. He goes out, throws one, like, oh, nope, not ready, not good. And, and all of a sudden, Garrett Richards is gone. But... The potential to get a handful of even abbreviated starts, even four to five innings of of Garrett Richards for uh, for a handful of starts could be nice. So I'm taking a shot on him uh, in, in just about any format. Lucas Giolito has been good in three starts, very quietly, including fanning ten of your beloved Rays on Sunday. What's up with Lucas Giolito? Have you had a chance to see any of this work? Uh, I have not, but uh, it goes it goes with my theory that every team believes that their their team struggles against rookies the first time they see them. I, I, every, you always see, oh, like Braves fans. I always see Braves fans talk about this. Like, oh, we're going to suck from the first time we see the pitcher. And I've always felt this way um, with Tampa Bay. And then you saw uh, them struggle against Ronaldo Lopez a little bit uh, on Friday night. But with Giolito, the, the way he pitches up and down, uh, 
didn't surprise me. Uh, you know, he was pitching real well here in Charlotte too, uh, and he him I would go with, uh, then ride him out the rest of the way to see what happens because uh, there's a reason why people thought he was a top ten prospect. There's going to be bumps in the road, uh, but between he and Lopez, I'll take Giolito all day long. I'm not convinced Lopez stays in the rotation long term. When I was surprised that that so many just flat out quit Giolito. Um, you know, after the tough year last year, and it was it was one of those things where the industry kind of acknowledged that it was a tough year, and his his stock had dipped. I understand why why the stock fell uh, for Giolito, but I, I it did seem a little curious why some just completely distanced him and said, "I'm out a hundred percent," and that's that's just kind of the uh, the finicky nature of fantasy yeah, people they with, with his, they played with his mechanics last year, and that was kind of the issue. Is they screwed around with his mechanics and he was struggling, uh, struggling to adjust, and it takes time to do that. And I think ultimately that's what hurt him. Uh, yeah, and when the velocity was down, it, it, I mean, it was a really bad season. I fully get that, but I mean, we're talking about a 22 year old who people were completely giving up on. So, uh, Giolito looked great in three starts. I think he's somebody that you want to, you know, he's one of those streamers where I'm streaming between my roster, my, my reserve and my start. I don't want to use him for a start and let him back out there for somebody else to get him in case he can ha- kind of continues the way he's been 24% strikeout rate, uh, 18% strikeout minus walk rate for Giolito in three starts. Um, few hitters before we get into two start guys, Bradley Zimmer sat Sunday with an undisclosed injury. This is after a 370 OPS in August. Are you are you cutting Zimmer in, in in ten and twelve team leagues? I think we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago when I said he was like four for fifty six and all four yeah. hits were singles. I was done with him then. Okay, um, I'm still no. I, I, I uh, it's in a recent now in a keeper league. It's, there's uh, I can't. I've got to find room to keep him. Um, but in a reset league, he's got to go. But in a in a uh, in a keeper league, there's way too much athleticism there. I mean. One of the things that sticks out for me is if you look at those that average sprint speed from Statcast, he's like third in the league behind Hamilton and Buxton, and and this is a guy who was bigger than both of us, and he's doing that. And it's like, it's it's so tough to to give up on that kind of athleticism. And yes, baseball has been littered with athletes uh, throughout throughout the years that have been amazing guys, uh, and and that doesn't always translate to success on the baseball field, but I'm still willing to give guys some success that as long as they can put the ball in play, they've got a decent chance of generating a hit on their legs, even if it's not the best of contact. Um, and that's why I'm going to give him a longer leash and I'm going to give somebody yeah, else. Yeah, I'm, I'm still in on Bradley Zimmer uh, long-term, but right now, I mean, after the disastrous month, undisclosed injury, I think it was something... Might have been head related. I thought I'd seen. I thought I'd seen a message that I thought he. I thought he had gone through some concussion yeah. protocol stuff too. And, but then I saw undisclosed when I was when I was reading information this morning. So I was, I was a little unclear there why uh, some outlets were talking about a head injury and then undisclosed uh, uh, elsewhere. Greg Allen is somebody that's uh, up now and uh, with the expanded rosters in Cleveland. Is he someone that you would take a look at in any formats, or is it AL only? Uh, sort of deal with Greg Allen. I've had him on my farm team in my home AL league all year. I drafted him and I have not cut him. He's been there all year. Uh, and in fact, I just put him in my lineup this week uh, to uh, to replace Nicky Delmonico, uh, who's on the disabled list. It's amazing to see somebody on the disabled list in September, but uh, you know it happens. So, right? It's uh, so yeah. I've got. Him We're gonna there. get to a guy. Let's let's just jump quickly here, and then we'll go back to the other guy, Aaron Hicks, to the DL with an oblique. 
I just, you know, it's not the same uh, profile when they're playing, but I'm j- I just get this Cameron Maben vibe where every time I, I get ready to trust Aaron Hicks, he leaves with an injury. I mean, it's, it's, it's becoming a bit of a thing at this point, and you wonder, you look up and down his, uh, his ledger and you see the disjointed playing time over five years. Part of it is underperformance at times uh, where he wasn't earning the playing time, but a lot of it's been injuries too. And then this breakout year has been completely stunted by injuries. He has 82 games played. Is Aaron Hicks somebody that you feel you can trust going forward? Going forward, meaning beyond uh, beyond Not until the Yankees either. tell me how they're going to break down their roster. Gardner, Ellsbury, Judge, Frazier, Hicks. That even if you include the DH and you get rid of Holiday, that's five guys for four spots. All five of those guys should be starting. The, whether on contract or whatever, you can't. You know, Ellsbury, as much as you can paid, move them, eat the contract, do something. But until they, until that roster shakes out, I have a little bit of a problem trying to fully invest in Hicks. Now, if they were to trade him somewhere, fully invested where he can go in there and play. But that's kind of where my that's. That's my hesitancy. Yeah, you can't bench Jacoby Ellsbury making twenty one mil uh for eighteen, nineteen and twenty. It just it just doesn't work that way, whether whether, you know, he's not living up to the to that contract or not, that that's not really the question. The fact is if you have to pay him the money, so you want to try to get something out of him. So yeah, I understand that's that's fair. So it'll be more of a game time decision as we see how the winter shakes out for Aaron Hicks. Maybe they're able to move somebody else and and play him. I would like to see him on the Yankees. But if he goes somewhere that has full playing time, I'll, I'll continue to take a shot on Hicks because I don't think the market will overvalue him. But I, you do have to have a realistic set of expectations in mind with with Aaron Hicks that uh, right now it's going to be tough to see a 600-plate appearance se- season. We haven't seen one in five years. He's going to be 28. Um, you, you just you can't expect it until you see something like that. Uh, Kevin Kiermeyer is beasting out since his return from the hip injury. 10-10 OPS, three homers. Two stolen bases in 67 plate appearances. I'm actually a little bit more interested. Uh, you can mention how you feel about him the rest of the way, but I'm a little bit interested in your thoughts on Kevin Kiermeyer for next year now because I think he came in with some hype this year um, as somebody with, with with a little bit of punch, some speed, guaranteed playing time. But now two years in a row, health has stunted his seasons. He's going to be 28 next year. What's your longer-term outlook on Kevin Kiermaier? Uh, I mean, here in the second half, since he's come back, he's hitting, this was going into yesterday, 379, 429, 638. Uh, I mean, just why he's been aggressive early in the count, looking to take things back up the middle, not trying to pull as much. I mean, that's where, when I've been critical of him in the past, it's because he can't lay off the high pitches and he's trying to pull too much. It ends up hitting a lot of useless, we made a joke, uh, Jason Hanselman made a joke about, uh, they should just change his uniform number to four three, uh, because that's what he was doing so often. And so, uh, I mean, with him, he teases. He's flash power. He's flash ability to hit for average. He's run. Uh, you know, he was aggressive on the on the base pass prior to the injury. He's only attempted two steals, and both of them have been successful um, since he's come back here. So it's the problem is it's like all of these things at once. When does it all come back together? Uh, the 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 aggressiveness and the injuries I don't think are ever going to go away. Let's not forget both of these injuries have been on aggressive plays. The one where he broke his wrist trying to run in on a on a short a shallow fly ball and his glove got caught underneath him, and then this other one was him diving, uh, you know, jumping at the first base bag at an angle um, to avoid a tag. Uh, just an aggressive running out. And I I want to say it was a ground ball to second base uh, or something and the throw went a little wild I forget exactly what but I remember him stepping on the plate and hitting the ground awkwardly 
um, because of it. So that's never going to go away. So to project him for more than 140 games is is risky. Um, but he's put he's displayed all the different skills. It's just a matter of can he put it all together in one. And he, he did this last year where he closed hot, and then somebody spends twenty bucks on him, and then he returns ten. Maybe this May two thousand eighteen will be the year he finally returns on what you're spending on in the last couple of years. But it's hard to watch. It he looks better at the plate right now, and that's what you want to see. You want to see the improvements because he did start out of the gate incredibly slow. Uh, maybe it was trying to justify that new long term contract he signed. Um, but mm-hmm. looks much better at the plate uh, these days. Well, that's good because I'm going to be the sucker that probably spends the money on uh, Kevin Kiermaier, so I would like to see that money be, be go go to the proper use. Uh, with, with a again, it doesn't have to be a full season. I don't I don't need 155 games. I understand that there's going to be some built-in risk, but can you not have like a, a a you know six to eight week period where I'm like this guy shouldn't be owned in any sort of format because he's terrible. Can can you avoid that next year, Kevin Kiermaier? That'd be really nice. Um, CJ Crone, by the way, a couple of these guys I think you're writing about over at Rotowire, so you can mention um, if you were able to write about if Crone was included there. Another guy, out of his mind since his return, he actually got demoted after his injury because um, he, hadn't, he hadn't been performing. But he's been recalled. He's been great. 952 OPS, 11 homers, and 149 plate appearances. CJ Crone, somebody that, you know, with the influx of talent at, at the first base corner spot, well, where does somebody like C.J. Crone shake out in a long-term situation? Yeah, I did write about him, and I, I I saw him play when I was in Salt Lake City in early May. I was there for work, and I went to a Salt Lake City Bees game, and there's Cron. And I'm thinking, yeah, I don't think I ever owned him on a fantasy team, so he so he could disappoint me. Uh, but here in the second half, it, you know, and this. He closed the first half with a 232-281-305 line. I mean, at first base, I don't care what your league format is. That's just unrosterable. No. But here in the second half, 299-357-614. And what he's doing, when I when I dove into it and said, okay, how where did these 11 home runs come from here in the second half? And it's a matter of him just becoming, I'm just going to pull as much as I can. It's like the, the Brian Dozier Marlon Bird path where you know he is when I looked at it 50% of his batted balls uh, have been fly balls and he's pulling a lot of them uh, so he, everything he's trying to hit in the air he's just looking to take the left field um, and that kind of stuff it's really tough to sustain because you leave yourself susceptible to the stuff on the out soft stuff on the outside so then you're rolling over into six three or five three putouts um, or lazy fly balls to the uh, to the right field because uh, you couldn't get quite get quite enough coverage um so maybe they use him uh in matchups moving forward but yeah the the talent's a little deeper uh, on the roster now and i don't think it's sustainable because when you look at it at the end of the year cj cron is having a cj cron season but all of his mm-hmm. numbers are backloaded this year i mean his home run if you look at the last few years his numbers are right in line with what he's done over the past couple of seasons it just happens to be a lot of it is happening right now for him but it's just and people might miss yeah it's just a it's just the same 15 to 17 home runs and 40 50 rbi uh that he's always driven in is that you know if i pull up if we look at his numbers the past couple of years 2015 16 homers 37 runs 51 driven in 262 batting average last year 16 home runs 51 driven in 69 scored nice 278 batting average. This year, 13 homers, 29 scored, 46 runs driven in, 278 batting average. Uh, I'm sorry, 256. So pretty much right in line with where everything else has been. 
It's just a matter of playing time. Yeah. Uh, you know, the slugging percentage is, is up. You, you think, okay, he has 13, 13 home runs and 278 plate appearances, and he had 16 last year and 445. But then you look at his slugging percentage, and it's six points lower this year than it was last year because of the he had all those doubles last year. He had 25 doubles, and then this year he has yeah. 13. Uh, and 20 right. points lower batting average. So, yeah, I'm with you. You, you mentioned he's just not somebody you've ever had on your team. I never really end up with a, with a CJ Crone. He's just pretty bland. Even before this year, before we saw that uh, the first base market was going to explode, he still wasn't a guy that I was really all that interested in. And I'm not sure that anything's going to change next year when he's 28 with, like you said, four of these kind of like blah, solid but unspectacular seasons. Perfectly capable major leaguer. Just not sure he's much of a fantasy asset. That's CJ Crone. All right, Jason, let's talk some two-star guys. Just kind of curious if your start sit. Uh, maybe a, a thought or two on some of these guys. Parker Bridwell um, at Oakland, at Seattle this week. He's been getting it done with the results, but the skills have the skill support hasn't really been there. See somebody that you're trusting for a two start in uh, in most formats. So Parker Bridwell. Getting back to your earlier point about the context of everything. Let's assume with all of these guys that you're just chasing wins. I mean, like AL Tout Wars. I didn't have Andrew Albers in my lineup this week. He had a win yesterday. Had I had him in there, and I also had Chris Davinsky on the bench because I was trying to make room for pitchers and Brad Brock, and that was that ends up being two wins and a save or three wins and a save, and that could have been a five-point difference for me in the standings. I was just looking at and, and kicking something under my desk at the same time going, idiot, right? Um, so uh, at the end of the day, my team's not doing anything because of me and not the players, but the, uh, so I'm looking at it in that context. So within that context, I'm going to be a little more, I know in the past that I've like, okay, this guy's not striking out anybody. I don't want anything to do with him. Um, but these, the Oakland matchup is, is a good one for him. Um, the Seattle one I would consider neutral. It's not like they're unless I'm missing something, it's not like they've been destroying people of late like they were at the one point. Uh, I know Mike Zanino is, is kind of laughing at me at this point, saying, hey, dude, yeah. I'm hitting home runs now. And I actually have a little bit of batting average. He's making me uh, look a little bad. But Wait, what's his batting average? Is it, is it over his weight? I I saw something like from June on, Mike Zanino has has, has been usable. But it, Bridwell... He's in 239. Yeah, Bridwell, when did that I'm... Happen? Uh, I'm um, I'm willing to go with them in an AL only format, like a ten team okay, so AL not, only format. I'll go with them. Mixed, I'm not, not mixed touching them. Okay, uh, yeah, I think mixed is 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 the real question here. I think AL you kind of have to. Uh, you're just not gonna be able to be picky enough to not start Parker Bridwell. Mixed league man. Again, with with, with a two start since you're since you're streaming, we're gonna assume a level of need anyway. I, I think I might. I mean, Oakland did rough him up his last time out on August 30th, seven runs and three innings, which is, you just can't have. I mean, if you're using Parker Bridwell, you certainly expect him to thwart Oakland, especially after he goes seven innings, two runs against Houston. Yeah. I could see it in 15-team. That, that's uh, that's see, really that's the on the line. I, I saw just, the one against Houston. I was like, okay, that how did that happen? And then you go to the Oakland, like, okay, how did that happen? But honestly, of all the pitchers, there's eight guys we want to talk about. This is the one guy that I really don't want to use everybody else i could make the kind of make the case for and say yeah sure yeah sure i'm just looking at names and results over the last month and not looking at matchups but this is the only guy that gives me pause trevor bauer gets uh, at the white Sox home to baltimore uh he's probably been the best of this bunch performance wise 
uh, over the last over the last bit. A couple of the other guys have been doing really well too, but but Bowers kind of had it all put together here. Twenty seven uh, percent strikeout rate, nineteen percent strikeout minus walk rate. 253 ERA. This is in the, the the last 30 days. 138 WHIP. That's that's Trevor Bauer in a nutshell. Even when his ERA is good, his WHIP won't be. Are you trusting him here with these uh, with the White Sox Orioles matchups, Trevor Bauer? The White Sox matchup was a really good one for him. I mean, the the thing with Bauer, uh, usually you know the WHIP will get him. It's been the walks have been good. I mean, you look here in this. If we look at the second half, he came right out of the gate poorly. With three walks and four walks, and then since then one, two, zero, two, zero, two, three, and then the four against the Yankees. You can have, and, and three was against Boston. So those are two teams that really work, really work counts, and that kind of thing would be expected from that. Uh, that's not the case with the White Sox. That's not the case with Baltimore. I think these matchups uh, work out really well for him. Uh, and it's kind of crazy that even with the, I know it's unbalanced schedules, but he hasn't faced Baltimore this year. And he That's has, kind of crazy. I, I agree. And he has not faced, he hasn't faced either of these teams yet this year. And that's two AL teams. And we're in September. And one of them's in his division. Yeah. The fact that, he, that the fact that uh, that's he hasn't faced the White Sox this year in his own division is, is kind of bananas for Bauer. Um, I think, I mean, honestly, this feels like a this feels like a week where he could walk out of it with twenty strikeouts. Yeah, I think you got to start him. And I'm not a huge Bauer guy, but again, we're we're, we're operating from a level of of need uh, with streaming. This is a guy you got to take a shot on. He can he can strike it really big for you. There is still the risk, but we're also talking about a guy who hasn't allowed more than four earned runs since back on May first. So even with and that's, for, and that's the other thing I wanted to bring up here. Let's not. Th- th- these are his earned runs here over his last. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, eight starts. Right, one, 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 three, zero, zero, four, one. All the non-zeros and ones are against Boston. Wow. So we know that's a poor matchup for him. But everything else that includes the Yankees twice, Colorado, Minnesota, Kansas City, that when they were like not scoring anything. Yeah. But you know he's got the again. These are not chumps. Uh, that he's gone to through, but Boston is clearly a mag- a problem that he's had with res- with with his stat line. But that said, but that said, he's got win he's got wins against Boston both times. Yeah, so it's like he's been getting those those triple those typical Bauer wins where I'm going to pitch five and a third and put ten guys on strike out seven, but I'm going to get you that win. Uh, but yeah, he's won his last three straight, and you could look at him winning. Both games this week and striking out twenty. That Baltimore game uh, is a little touch and go because the way that offense, uh, the way that offense goes, but the way that pitching goes, as long as he's not facing um, Kevin Gossman, there's a good chance he could get one of those ugly Trevor Bauer, Trevor Bauer wins too. Yeah, you got to watch out for Bundy. Bundy's been uh, out, out of his mind there. I haven't seen Bundy pitch in a couple of weeks, but I just I watched that Gossman start against Toronto the other day, and I was like, that's just so unfair that he's gonna walk away with a no decision in that good old gas can. Uh, Rafael Montero, Philly and Cincy, threw a really strong outing his last time out. Uh, you know that that Mets team is is tough to touch uh, at all, but that they're going to have some availability because Degrom's the only real guy that anybody's having right now. So pretty much the rest of their rotation's wide open. Is is Montero somebody you're looking at uh, with 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 two matchups here this week? Not in the mixed league. I mean the the walks okay. are pro- the walks are problematic, uh, and we know what the Cincy uh, offense can do. Um, the Philly lineup. I mean, you figure he's going to intentionally walk Reese Hoskins four times unless he's just a pure idiot and wants to pitch to him, right? Um, well, Hoskins uh, 
didn't he leave with an, an injury recently? Uh, if he did, I missed it over the weekend. But I, it was, you know. it was sm- small hand injury. Um, yeah. It, but joke aside, yeah, yeah, yeah they're, I, they're not a scary offense. I, I'm not. I, I'm not crazy enough to go in the mixed league with this. Um, in a in an NL, I'll leave okay. him in. But in a mixed league, I'll, I'll let this one pass like Bridwell. Okay. Jake Junis at Detroit, home to Minnesota. Uh, our own Nick Pollock wrote him up recently uh, for the Kansas City Royals. Is, is Jake Junis somebody you're looking at? Yes. yes. He I'll go with, uh, you know, matchup-wise, hopefully he gets a little more run support. Uh, but I will take I will take my chances with him this week. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, right now Detroit is such a team to pick on. Obviously, yes. they traded Justin Upton. Miguel Cabrera is in the middle of his suspension. Even when he's not, he hasn't been great. Of course, Victor Martinez on the That's deal. Hopefully, he gets well with his heart thing. So, the, the Tigers definitely a team to pick on. Minnesota, they can be a tough one, but you got to take that at Detroit there. Uh, Mark Leiter Jr. at the Mets at Washington. So that the the double edged sword one on on the two starts that those are going to become the tough ones down the stretch where it's got you got the really enticing start at at the Mets, but then you got the really tough one at Washington. For me, it balances out enough that I'll take the chance at a 15-team mixed um, here. He's been you know, he's been missing enough bats over the past month. We're looking at a uh, mm-hmm. uh, basically nine per nine innings, uh, not walking anybody, keeping the ball in the yard, uh, mostly on the ground as well. And I'll I'll, I'll take this one in a 15-team. Okay. Mixed Our monthly Chad Cool update. Um, you know, we've talked about him a couple different times during the season. He's been been kind of up and down but overall it's looking like uh like he's going to end up with a you know solid season solid building block sort of season what about here in the short term against the cubs at home and at the cardinals chad cool um uh, you know he just faced the cubs last time out five and a third ten base runners did strike out seven um, but did allow three runs as well including a home run in that start but he's been walking i mean we've we've seen walks in over the past calendar month uh, seven starts five 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 three that's kind of but the strikeouts are there too so look at the lens of what you need because he's also um except for one outing against the dodgers and that's to be understood he only struck out two but he's had at least six strikeouts in five of his last six outings so if you need yeah, really really consistent yeah, there, you need the strikeouts. Um, it's worth taking the chance here. Um, you could end up, you know, it could wear on your ratios. So balance things out that way. If you can, if you're already in the tank and ratios, and uh, as long as you're not, let's say like let's say your whip is one thirty. 1.3677. As long as a guy in front of you is, as long as you have the same 1.36, then it's like, okay, maybe I let this one go. But if like you're at 1.36 and he's at 1.34, you're probably not going to catch him at this point. Uh, maybe, unless he has a really terrible time and your guys are just throwing uh, goose eggs all over the board. But mm-hmm. under the lens of strikeouts, I will take him. But yeah, again, the wins, he's got wins in three of his last seven starts. So those have been about as consistent as you can get for a starting pitcher, and the strikeouts have been there, but everything else you're taking a chance with. Yeah, Chad Cool is somebody I think I'm going to go ahead and go with uh, because there is some some real upside. Uh, the only problem that I have is that he doesn't really go deep into games. He can run up those pitch counts partly, in, in large part because of those walks, uh, and, and so that puts league. him at, at risk for the W. What was that? And the National League. Yeah. Yeah, that that if that, he was an American League pitcher, he'd stay in another inning. Exactly, exactly. So that that part hurts a little bit, but I am going to go ahead and go with Chad Cool, Erasmo Ramirez, Houston, and the Angels. 
Uh, and and Kendall Graven goes Angels Houston. Now both those guys get get the two teams at home, but uh, all of a sudden, you know, obviously Houston we know is a scary offense. The Angels not not too easy either. Between uh, Rasmo Ramirez and Kendall Graveman, first off, I'll make you pick one between the two. Which do you like better facing both the Angels and Astros? Oh, uh, which do I like better facing the Angels and the Astros? And I have to pick one. Yeah. Just between those two, and then we can get deeper on what league formats, if any, you would really start that guy. But if but if somebody has a, the, the decision between the two, which would you take between Erasmo Ramirez Kendall and Kendall Graveman? Graveman? Uh, and, and the reason why here, I mean, we mentioned the Angels lineup reloading, and for all intents and purposes, so have the Astros. They just got Carlos Correa back. They've called up some of their prospects as the rosters expanded. And so now that lineup is 100%. Whereas, you know, the last few weeks they've been mm-hmm. struggling to score runs because, you know, they were missing a big chunk, uh, Carlos Correa, in the top of their lineup, and that was hurting um, where he was putting in runs. So we saw him come back, and they put up 12, and they put up 7, and they put up 8 over the last three games against the Mets. Yes, it's the Mets pitching, but all of a sudden <laughs> they're, they're raking again. And then you to your point about uh, Ramirez, he just doesn't go, you know, he's made one, two, three, four, five starts against the uh, – for for the Mariners, he's gone five, six, six, and six. So he's gone uh, six four times, and then five his first time, and he has got exactly one win out of that. Uh, the strikeouts he had seven against Baltimore, six against Atlanta, but everything else has been low. Um, he's given up. He just hasn't done much in that stretch, and so and we know he's a risk for home runs because of the way he pitches up in the zone. Um, and with that reloaded Angels and Astros lineup. I don't like him. Whereas you look at Graveman, at least he keeps the ball on the ground. Uh, he's got that going for him, so he reduces that risk. And you look at him over the last month, and he's getting a decent amount of strikeouts, and everything else lines up nicely for him. He's been able to get two wins and five starts. I, if I'm mitigating my risk, Graveman's the guy. I want. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right there. I'm not going to spend time reiterating everything. I think I think I agree with that across the board. The biggest point being that the home runs that Erasmo Ramirez can struggle with can really go sideways on you. Um, in the three starts uh, in August where he allowed homers, Erasmo Ramirez, they were all multi-homer games, two, two, and three at Texas, at Baltimore, at KC. So I don't want to mess with two teams that can go yard, especially that Houston team. So, yeah, I'm going to go Graveman between the two. Now, Graveman, what any mixed league formats you're starting him? I know you picked him between the two, and that's pretty much for AL. What about mixed leagues? Uh, could you get Graveman in a 15-team mixer? Yeah, you could. Um just because he's going to miss enough at bats. Would, would he, he be over anybody else that Go you ahead. picked here, like Junis or Leiter or Bauer or Cool? Um, not over Bauer. Bauer is the best guy we've talked about today. Yeah, I think uh, so too. I think he's the clear best. I could, yeah, I could take, I could put Graven in my top three this week. Okay. Well, then that's fifteen team. I would, I would think, and maybe even twelve team. Again, context uh, dependent here. A lot of it, more than ever, guys. You know your own situation. We're giving you our thoughts on how we feel about these guys. You know, if we're kind of hemming and hawing on something, your situation might be pushing you one way or the other. And so you gotta, gotta really analyze those standings uh, and 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 kind of be careful, but not too careful either. I know it's it's a delicate 
balancing act. You don't want to be super passive and pass on everything because you're afraid that everything's going to blow up in your face. You have to be aggressive too, especially if you're attacking things where you're the guy chasing. Uh, you, you can't just sit on your hands and hope that uh, hope that the numbers come to you. You got to go out there and get some. So uh, yeah, Kendall Graveman, I do like him in mixed, mixed league options as well. Jason, any final thoughts here as we wrap up? Um, no, not really. I'm hoping that people are listening. If anybody was in the Houston area, hopefully things are getting back to normal now. And I, as I'm staring, yeah, as much as, as much as they yeah. can, you know, we're seeing the sports pick back up there. I think things are slowly meandering back to hey, we can do some things that can take our mind off things a little bit. The rebuild is obviously going to be quite a long time. So hopefully everyone's still staying, staying safe there as, uh, right. as they figure things out for sure. Yeah. My stepfather is going to be going out for that. He's uh, my stepfather. My stepfather is uh, one uh, just got his FEMA inspection um, certification. So he's supposed to go out to Houston because his company has one of the uh, contracts on helping um, rebuild. And so he's supposed to go to Houston here in short order. I'm staring at a uh, a latest update on Hurricane Irma, uh, and uh, it's not looking too good for South Florida. Uh, The uh, track just pushed south a little bit, so it could come right along Key West uh, as of next weekend. And if it, I I just hope it doesn't push further south because that'll put it out into the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, and, and that is one, that is one angry girlfriend right now. I mean, she, if Harvey was bad, this, this was that's, already that's, where I mean, that's the crazy part about it is that this massive one, for those that don't know how they name these, they name them in alphabetical order. And so, you know, Hurricane Harvey, that's pretty early in the alphabet. Hurricane season's kind of just getting going. And so hopefully, I mean, hopefully nothing makes landfall anywhere, but you'd really hate to see anything kind of come back into the Texas, Louisiana region there. So hopefully everyone can can stay dry and, and, and avoid that sort of trouble. Uh, Jason, what, are we on for next week? I, I know there'll be some, some football that we can annoy people with talking about, but are you going to be available? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. As long as this, as long as what that hurricane is, as long as it doesn't take a northerly jog, I'm hoping this thing just takes a turn yeah, out to the can ocean and goes away. Um, but the latest track has it. The latest track has it right over Cuba as of 2 a.m. Saturday morning. Um, yeah, as long as it stays that direction, all right. Um, I'm good to go. Uh, if it takes a jog north, it's going to be a little problematic. But I should be also hit us up on Twitter if there's people you want to want us to talk about or different things you want us to talk about. Uh, we can kind of we're pretty open to to what y'all would want, whatever will best help you guys in these final weeks. Uh, definitely let us know, especially because those of you that are that are you know super actively listening. I think a lot of people still listen, even if they're not fully in their their playoffs and whatnot. But those of you that are actively listening, as you grind these roto titles out or uh, are in the playoffs of your head to heads, let us know what you want. And we'll see what we can do to accommodate you. Jason, have a great week. I'll talk to you later. All right, bud. Thanks. Bye.